2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A. member FDSE. Uh-oh, it's Friday. <laughs> yep. Good luck, my friend. The day you get called All, in. The, bosses mm-hmm. bye bye. Hey, the, All the bosses are gone Bye-bye.
1: Bring your bobbleheads. Hey, you could have worn the mesh shorts today. All the bosses are out of town. Did I really miss a
2: chance to wear sweatpants? 100% yes. Can I go home and change?
1: <laughs> yes. We got Paul in studio. <laughs> He'll take over. Or he can talk wild. We'll right? get to the wild segments. Out you out go here. home. Bye. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> We get things rolling with the opening bell. Wanna
0: ring the bell? That one in the inner right field hit pretty good. Going back 373, Gentry thinks he's got room. He'll go up and he'll make the catch! The first big defensive play of the year! 375 away, and Gentry hauls it in. Caleb's got a base hit. Right center field, they were shallow. Kepler's going to go all the way to the wall. That's going to score two. Caleb's on his way to third base. Catcher looking for a triple. He's got it. and two RBIs. To short center. Get down. Get down. Get down. down. down Grossman delivers a two run single to tie the game. How about that?
1: I think we we take pride in not breaking down baseball games like football games, but let's break that baseball game down like a football game yesterday, because there are so many things to get into over those three hours, Judd. Where do you want to start? Well, all right. There are about five things. Let me, let's start here then. All right. Paul Molitor stuck his neck out a couple of times. At least, I think he stuck his neck out twice. Some people might say three times with Fernando Rodney coming in for, uh, he pitched a partial inning, then came in for... What was supposed to be another inning, and it only lasted about five seconds because yes. uh, Adam Jones took him deep about 350 feet to left field. So I, I was okay with that. I mean, Fernando Rodney, is mm-hmm. uh, he's here to pitch late in games. He was, from May 1st to the end of the year, one of the better relievers in baseball last year. Like, you're going to have to live with and that. And the
2: Twins don't play today, so yeah. it wasn't going to be back-to-back. Yes. You're just going
1: to have to live with that. Yep. So the other two things were lefty Zach Duke against mostly right-handed hitters in the inning that the Orioles scored two runs. Although he did strike out four batters in that inning. Uh and then Byron Buxton getting pinch hit for, Robbie Grossman coming in, key situation, two outs, ninth inning.
2: Those are the two things that people are going to be mashing today. Let's start with Buxton then. Uh because here I get doing I I get what Molitor's doing on opening day, okay? And and I understand that uh, that Buxton up to that point hadn't been brutal, but he certainly hadn't been great. He's batting eighth, so he is in a typical position w- where that move would be would be accepted, and you'd say, yeah, it's it's the guy in the eight hole. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Grossman's on the bench. That being said, my I guess my flip side to this is I don't want to see this become a regular habit by any means, because. No matter how Buxton looks, and and there are, go, there are going to be times still where he is not going to look great. That being said, no matter how he looks, he is the future of this team. He's one of the most important players, and he needs those at-bats. Here's what Molitor said about it, by the way, just a quick soundbite.
0: It's uh, just one of those gut situations where you're going to put the guy up there that you think might have a better chance to get a hit or extend the inning.
2: And for one game in opening day, I guess I get that, but, but my point is, if this becomes a habit at all, it's a problem. This well, you, You've got to—I I understand taking the pressure off by by batting Byron eighth. You need to get him those at-bats, though. I want Dave's
1: thoughts on this, too. So here's, here's my theory. It's Paul Molitor was managing to the current reality, to what is. And what is is Byron Buxton's been very inconsistent as a young hitter for two years. He'll show you three months of, should we send him down? And then he'll show you three months of, wow, is he— an MVP candidate and so to start the season like you said he's batting eighth his at-bats in that game he did he did swing at uh, a first pitch in his second plate appearance and line one to center field but the other two plate appearances he was not seeing the ball well he was swinging and missing at pitches off the plate and Brad Brock who is the Orioles closer is great he's downward moving stuff that darts starts at the knees the thighs darts low so his strength does not play into Byron Buxton's strength. He, in fact, he would be able to lure Byron. So I get it. In the moment, managing to the current reality, Paul Molitor did make the right decision. If it was player A batting eighth and had those bat at bats, right-handed yes. pitcher, I get that completely. ball darting down in the zone, yes. and you got to have a, you have to either have patience or contact, Robbie Grossman from the left side gives you a better chance in that moment. I would have let Byron Buxton hit regardless. Like you, it, I think it's correct to say... It was the higher percentage play in the moment, and it worked. But to your point, long-term, if you want Buxton to be the player that you think he can be, he has to conquer in those situations. So what do you think, Dave? What happened to the two of you? What do you mean? Ripping Molitor for not giving
3: Buxton the entitlement he doesn't deserve? No, I'm not ripping. It's I'm... not ripping. Well, hold, hold on. I know, it's not hold ripping, on. but
1: questioning the decision. Saying, no, 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 no. no. I... I'm telling you, the move was correct in the moment. I would have ignored the correct move in the moment and let Buxton grow in that spot. That's what I'm saying.
3: He can grow for the first three at-bats of the game, and you said yourself he didn't do it. He had two ugly ones, and he jumped on a first pitch in the uh, the other and got a single, which was great, but... You're trying to win a ball game against a tough reliever. Sorry, you make the move, whether it works or not. It was the correct move to
2: do. And I get that, but my, but my point is this: if this guy is going to to mature and turn into the player that that we think he can be, those at bats are absolutely crucial. Well, I and, get that, but and for this what? one game, to to Phil's point, for this one game on opening day against that pitcher, I I get the move. And Paul's trying to win each game, so I'm not saying that this is easy. What I'm saying is Byron Buxton is a potential or could be a superstar for your team. And those are the exact situations in which you're going to have to let him sink or swim to find out.
3: You got to let him sink him swim in the third inning, too, in the seventh inning. And he, as Phil said, he had a couple pretty ugly looking at bats. It was bad. You know, he's got three chances before the game to prove that he can handle it. And he doesn't have to get a hit every single time. But, you know, hit a couple balls hard, you know, make contact. Just don't look ugly at the plate. And if you show you can't do it, sorry,
1: we'll... We'll do it again tomorrow. I I was watching a lot of the game. I just sat and watched baseball the entire day. ESPN had four games on. And this is not to bail out Byron Buxton for his bad at-bats. It felt like the entire league in those late afternoon or early afternoon games, like with different shadows and different things. So for him, I think it was made to look even worse because he's already chase happy and he's clearly not picking up the ball in that game. So, like, I don't disagree with anything Dave just said. I'm saying I would ignore all of those things. And I would let him hit in that spot. Like I, you could bring if I'm Paul Molitor, and and Jeff Pickler comes to me with a book. Hey, the right move in this moment is Robbie Grossman. He gives you a better chance to move the chains and to win this game or to tie the game up and carry it into extra innings. And I say thank you. I agree. I know. We, I, I want Buxton to be this guy in the future, and so this is a chance for him to be a big boy and put bat on ball and maybe hit a ball into a gap somewhere. So like I don't. It's. It's, it's so tough. I get, it's so
2: tough. I get what Paul is doing, but uh, on the off day today, if I'm Falvey, the conversation is, Paul, we are going to have to let him get those at-bats. It's going to be He's going to have to get them. I don't know if Falvey says that to Paul. No, I, but, that, but, it, but if I'm him, that's what I say. And Paul's
3: comeback is, my job is to win games first and foremost. It's not to prep guys for the future when I might not
2: be here. It's to win the game today. Our job is to win games and cultivate the talent as best we can, and we're talking about a potential superstar player here. But
1: you guys are both right. Right. No, no everybody. The- yeah. Right, it's <laughs> to, to some level.
2: No, but but my, but my point is, if I'm the Twins and I'm trying to, de- we're not talking about developing a good player here. We are talking about developing a potential superstar who's going to have to take, who's going to have to be allowed to bat in, in those exact situations. The third and seventh are not the same. So in in one game. I'm fine with the decision. If we're talking about this on June 23rd, I've got a problem with it. If we're
3: talking about it on June 23rd, it's because Buxton's had two and a half nope. months of bill, And that's a problem.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing that people are going to question, lefty Zach Duke against mostly right-handed hitters in that seventh inning. And, and, and it was a right-handed hitter in Caleb Joseph that hit the ball to the gap. It was a triple. It, it put the Orioles up two to nothing. Now, the Twins obviously came back. But um, I'm going to defend Molitor on this one. Not 100%, but, and and, th- and this goes to why they signed Zach Duke. It's not just to be a lefty specialist, although if you look at his career, he's been in the league for like a decade, his career splits lefties and righties. He's better by 100 OPS points against left-handed hitters, but the last two years, he's been really good against right-handed hitters too, so when the Twins signed him, they're looking at the last couple years, and he's missed some time with injury, But and they're saying, wow, maybe it's a small sample size, but... He's all encompassing, just really good against all hitters, and Caleb Joseph is a bad hitter. That guy has a career two seventy-five on base percentage. He struck out the first batter of the inning. I think it was Trey Mancini, and the ball goes to the backstop. Yeah. And so kind of bad luck where that guy you struck him out, that guy gets on first base. Um, and then you had a spot where you do it. You intentionally walked to to get a force out in some situation. Danny Valencia. It yeah. was Danny Valencia, <laughs> yeah, right. Right, down. right? He's, He's still out.
2: around. He won't go so, away. Like
1: it came down to a runner that wasn't supposed to be on because you already struck him out, and a crappy right-handed hitter, and you've been good against right-handed hitters, I'm going to give Molitor a pass on that one, too.
3: Not to mention a drawn-in outfield where it would have been a single normally, but it goes to the
1: wall. Right. And maybe they only score one run instead. Mm -hmm. I want to
2: praise one thing here. Max Kepler, 11-pitch at-bat in in the ninth before. Down 0-2 right away, too. Down 0-2. That was a brilliant at-bat. Drew a walk, but it was 11 pitches against Bach. That that is if if you are are hoping for Kepler to to go from being good to improving on that last year, which he definitely has a step to take. Max Kepler's at bat in the ninth yesterday was brilliant. And there were like
1: there were two or three pitches that started top of the knees, darted down yes. with two strikes. It was and he either any, fouled off or laid off? That was a tough at bat. And then there was those two fastballs. One of them might have been a breaking ball, but like a couple inches off the edge. And Cowboy Joe West is back there cracking his knuckles just waiting to ring up a young hitter. How would you feel? It was, it was a great bat. How would you feel on
2: opening day? Opening day, right? Play ball again. This is and that clown is behind home plate. <laughs> that absolute clown the, show. Who should have been forced should have been forced to retire oh, 5 you know years ago. Hey,
1: credit to Joe West. I can't remember which Twitter follower pointed this out. There was a key check swing at some point second half of the game.
2: And he appealed to third base without a oh, way, way to go, way to go, Where to go. Because he knew, oh my he knew baseball was watching. May 5th, he's going to just ring you up and not appeal.
1: Yes, it's the, it's the biggest pet peeve of old school umpires when you don't have an angle. And you've got first base, third base, they can help you. Nope, this is my game. I got it, yeah. No, I don't need help. No, dude, like, just appeal. Just to be no. and he and he appealed yesterday. No, in fact I'm gonna ring you applause. up in epic fashion. Cause I'm the cowboy. The cowboy. He should just wear assless chaps to the to each game. Opening day.
2: What a joke to have Spurs. him behind on a plate. I'm to put him down the line in the stands. Just, or just put him down. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. I don't he does die. make it he
1: does make it fun. I need the arguments and stuff for great, but, but Max, Ke- Max Kepler.
2: That was a hell of a minute thing. It was.
1: Watch. We can talk more about Byron Buxton. Uh, also Wild last night, negative Judd on Twitter was in full force. And Not true. enabler, loyal listener Paul, who's in studio, you guys your negativity before the third period was embarrassing. That's right. Both of you guys.
2: Paul yes. had a great point.
1: Okay. We'll get to that. And if you guys have thoughts on Byron Buxton being taken out of the game, Robbie Grossman coming through. 651 646 8255 877 615 1500. Mackie and Judd hanging out here in the TCL broadcast studios. Let's talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota first for a second, where uh, my family and I have been going for 30 plus years. There's something cool. If you go to the website, lutherbrookdaletoyota.com, there's a button at the top that says We Buy. Basically, you click that and you'll get a full explanation for the process. And it's very easy, there's no strings attached. Uh, no money transactions, nothing. You can get a full 15-minute appraisal of your vehicle's worth, and it doesn't have to be a Toyota. It can be any, any make, uh, any model. Bring it in. Find out what your vehicle is worth first and foremost, and then it's up to you. You can then proceed forward however you want. They'll give you a check if you want to sell the vehicle to my guys at Luther, uh, or maybe you want to use that money toward something new, a trade-in. You want to get into a new finance plan. But it's the best way to find out what your vehicle is worth from the foremost experts in the Twin Cities, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. You know, I'm i am not oblivious. I know there's dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of dealerships and service departments in the Twin Cities. Find out why my family and I haven't even thought of going anywhere else for 30-plus years. Luther, Brookdale, Toyota, Jeff. The Mackey and
0: Judd Show rolls on. Ready or not. On 1500 ESPN. Deep left field, Adam Jones, and goodbye home run. A game winner for the Orioles' center fielder And they win the opener 3-2. to two.
1: By the way, Gary Thorne, awesome play-by-play guy. Oh, he's fantastic. So good. And does all O's games now. Yeah, was Gary Thorne did the high
2: school hockey tournament yes, a few did. years ago as a Three bucket list item. Yes, he did. He was absolutely, he's he's great. But yeah, he's been doing O's games now for what, about five years? Yep. And I, I believe, Imagine that. I don't think he took a paycheck for the high school hockey
1: games. I think he came in and said, I, it's a bucket list item for me. You put me up in a hotel and I'm Doc's good. Doc's next.
2: Wouldn't that be awesome? Doc oh comes gosh. In. Pro bono. Doc Emrick. Doing the high school hockey tournament. Edina. He get a, yeah getting the pronunciations just right so pe- people for are sure. like that guy's lived next door to me for 15 years. I <laughs> thought his name was just Nelson, not Nelson.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, what it is. Gronlund. He told me it was Gronlund. Well, he
2: has an accent, I mean. And then he finally he finally changed it back.
1: Yeah, cuz he got too he much pressure from people. Too much flack. Um, so we're, we're going to get into that wild game from last night. Let's uh, phone lines are open too for the entire hour if you guys have thoughts on a pretty active twins game yesterday It wasn't just your run of the mill, you know, 3 to 2 game, a lot of things to a lot of things that are worth breaking down as predictive things for the future, you know, what what's the faith that Molitor has in Buxton? Obviously yesterday it wasn't wasn't very high. He did have a hit in the game, but the other two at bats were so bad and he was so overmatched on those off-speed pitches. There was a couple pitches I think in that the second strikeout, just meatball breaking balls right over the plate and he swings right through them. Yep. So it looked like early season last year. Byron Buxton, six five one six four six eight two five five. Darcy, you're on the show. What's up, Darcy?
4: Hey, you guys. I've waited a long time to be talking baseball, so thanks for leading off with this. Right on, man. Um, yeah. Kind of to your to your talking points, and actually the highlight right up the third, and I'll go through them quickly. If I can get Zach Duke uh, every game to come out and pitch one inning, give up one hit, strike out four guys, I think I'm usually going to take that. Mm-hmm. So I think an anomaly bringing him in, it was a good move. Uh, listening to Fernando Rodney, early season game, extra innings in the throw and the throw-and-meatball first pitch. To Adam Jones, uh, you know guys are hacking. They just want to get the game over and get out of there. Molly's move, and Phil, I know you're watching it live, but I'm, I was streaming it, and I thought, pinch hitter Grossman, this is perfect. He's in the analytics. I'm an old-school learning analytics guy. Phil, the analytics guy. And now you tell me that, well, you know, sometimes you don't use the analytics. And you got to explain that uh, kind of hypocritical stance to me because I think sure. sure Molly made the right move. It was,
1: but you're not wrong. Darcy, you're not wrong. for, And Dave's not wrong. For that moment, Robbie Grossman gave you a better chance to win the game or to, at that point, extend the game. And it wasn't exactly loud contact, but you needed contact or a walk or something. You needed the chains to move. And Robbie Grossman in that spot gives you a better chance to move the chains than Byron Buxton. Now, and that's based on Byron Buxton's whole career to this point, not just the second half where he was hot, and based on his bad swings in the game. And I'm saying in that moment, I'm I'm not ignoring those analytics 95% of the time. But in that moment, I'm just saying, I would have said Byron Buxton, go up there. Grossman gives us a better chance, but you got to take a step forward here. So I'm not going to crucify Molitor Ford. As I'm just saying that's what I would have
2: done. As a moment in time, given the circumstances, the situation, and even right or wrong the day, I get it. The long-term view of what happened concerns me because I want Buxton – I can't emphasize this enough. We're talking about a guy that you want to be a superstar player. If we were talking about a – But he's not yet. He's a superstar. And I I get that. I get that. But my point is – and I I think you were saying the same thing. The point is – That situation is a situation in which he needs to gain experience to become that player. So, as a one-off, it's one of 162, that's fine. As a, do you want to see this much? Absolutely not. Batting eighth is fine. And ordinarily, the guy that bats eighth is going to be, in that situation, pinch hit four. Byron Buxton, though, is a guy who I want to get experience in every situation possible because of the potential upside there and because we are talking about a guy who's not going to be a good player. We're talking about a guy who should be, should be a great player.
1: Well, here's another another layer to this, too. Paul, I think Paul Molitor, there's some things to critique for sure as a manager. I think he's done a great job blending everything he's learned in 50 years of playing or watching baseball since he was old enough to know what he was watching, right? And also being open minded to analytics and new forms of evaluating players and information that might not have been available when when he retired in the late 90s or early 2000s. So, is it possible in that spot that, you know, we all have this view of Byron Buxton from the second half of the season, even with a couple crappy at bats in that game, you think, okay, well, whatever. Like, you know, he's at some point he's going to make loud contact and hit one to the gap and clear the bases, just like he did for two months at the end of last season. The Twins could have a huge advantage if Paul Molitor is able to take, objectively, everything he knows in 50 years in baseball and also everything he's open-minded to analytically and then ride that fine line and say, you know what? I know the numbers say this about Buxton in the second half last year, but I'm watching him in this game right now, and what he did in the second half last year is irrelevant to what I'm seeing as an expert in this game right now. Grossman gives us a better chance yes. even though this is a controversial move yes so it's possible the twins have an advantage that their manager is open-minded and an expert in both sides and can still take all that information in and make a move that might be against the grain it might go against conventional wisdom if you're just looking at the analytics uh-huh. of, of Buxton's second half right it depends on which it depends on which stats you're going to look at is it Buxton's second half? Or is it Buxton's career? Or is it Buxton just in three at bats in that game? And Milder has to take all that information in and use his gut to make the right decision. And I, I, so. I think
2: in I think in that circumstance, he said to himself, "What I've seen so far in this game does not justify allowing him to bat there." And I completely get that. I completely do. But I also I've also seen enough uh, potential superstars who get held back at times when you say to yourself you'd really like to see them get that experience yeah, and, well. and 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 the coach and the guy that that manages or coaches the team is always going to make the, the decision based on what Dave said, which is can this guy win the game for me today? But there are also times that the long view is will that experience help him become achieve becoming the player that he should?
1: It's too bad there aren't any games left. You know, like now they have to. They have to take a day off today. They only have 161 of these things left to, to figure it out like, with Byron Bucks. Can't wait for the Saturday night game in
2: Baltimore. I'm sure it'll be gorgeous there on a Saturday night. It's a great idea to play.
1: It's also going to be brutal at Target Field next week, according to uh, all the forecasts. Where it's going to be like windy and potential snow, fresh, right on really, Thursday? Like, snow and rain and like wind chills below freezing and things like that. Good so.
2: thing the press box is
1: warm. Look at it. You're just rubbing it in. Well, I'm just concerned Hiping about myself. fans. No, open up the windows. No. No, they'll have to close them for that. I think once it dips below about 71 degrees, <laughs> a little bit of breeze, i got to close the windows. Sorry. I get chilly. For Judd anyways. <laughs> Need my shawl. Uh, this also happened last night.
0: And Grandlin a moment. He's got Koiba with him, shorthanded. Grandlin into the offensive zone, looking and shot. He scores! McColl and with a shorthanded goal to tie it. Dalman's going to scale it down the board for Grandlin. Cutting into the offensive zone, looking for Parisi. Beautiful move to the net! Oh, that's so Zach Parise and Minnesota up two.
1: So a dominant performance. Granlin was amazing. Uh, Zach Parise, active Dumba. It was it was an amazing performance. Dave, were you following Twitter by chance last night during the Wild game?
3: I was not following much. I had a ball practice going on, sure. so I saw a couple of highlights from Judd, but not a whole lot.
1: Sure. So you know they scored a bunch of goals, and uh, and they and they the second period is really when they put Dallas away. Right? They scored three goals in the second period. It was a dominant performance. For the most part, by the Wild, looks like it five two. And if you're reading Judge Twitter account, you would have thought they lost eight to nothing. Well, the first period was not good. Uh, uh, Judge Judbot didn't even call me today. Well, there was nothing. He to complain wasn't about. bad. Oh right. yeah, there was. Well, well he, he could have complained. Judge starts starts the game with a snarky tweet about how the opening faceoff happened 30 minutes ago. Wild. You know, can't even like let the game play out. Has to just jump all let over. Let the them. game play out. And it then was a and then before period. the third period with the wild. I mean, the wild were already up enough. Oh, where I- you could just like you could summon the accountants from the stands. Going into the third period, and yet Judd tweets this panicked thing about how Dallas is probably going to tie the game, and the and the Wilds going to have to get bailed out by because well, our horrible Paul, goaltending. Our, our
2: friend Paul correctly said your natural state that the is Dallas Stars that the Dallas Stars were going to be desperate because I believe with last night's loss they now cannot catch the Wild and their ba- their playoff hopes are done. And I said I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas comes back and in a furious rally. Either gets within a goal or ties the, the score, but the Dallas goalie letting in is awful for the most part, so I said that the Wild would win the game. You know what but this was? Two-goal lead. Oh, it's, it's terrible lead. 4-2. God, terribly, you are nervous. Terrible lead. <laughs> you are so worried. But I do not come to bury this hockey team, gentlemen. I come to praise them. Wow, that's, that's a real bold stance. There are two. A bold stance. No, no, I'm going to praise two players in particular. So this is not just going to be some all some they played behind well. behind this. why this is our- you're really going on the limb. You're gonna praise the wild right now? I'm gonna start on the blue line. Boy. I'm not going to listen to your cat calls here. I'm going to I'm going to praise Matthew Dumba. What you saw last night, ladies and gentlemen, is the reason why Matthew Collar and I on the um, Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure podcast Started saying last year, you do not want to lose this guy in the expansion draft, and you don't want to trade him. You and crap on Dumba every show. He <laughs> makes he makes dumb decisions defensively <laughs> at times. But but if you listen to the podcast, if you, you listen to the, the podcast, no no, I challenge him. <laughs> I challenge him. See, you guys don't understand. And Dave's a parent, so I'm disappointed here. But he will learn this. You challenge, challenge those him. that you love and respect. <laughs> You challenge them to be better every day in life. I challenge the baby girl every day. Okay, well, then you're doing it. See, I like it. But challenging does not mean praising unless praise is deserved. And what you saw last night from Matthew Dumba in getting a goal and three assists and blocking three shots, by the way, the first wild defenseman in franchise history with four points in a game, now up to 12 goals, is the reason why what he brings offensively makes him so attractive and hard to imagine saying to yourself, "Well, his defense is bad, so we don't care." No, you care. Let me give you a Matthew Collar uh. statistic that he sent me this morning that we've talked about before. But this is going sure. to okay. crystallize Matthew Dumba and the effectiveness that we probably don't talk about enough. He, you,
1: know, you know, by the way, Dumba only has like. Suter has 130 block shots. Dumba has
2: 105. Like,
1: but it's narrative.
2: It's no, narrative. Dumba had. But what I'm saying, what I'm no, what I'm saying right, is that Dumba had a great game last night. Sure. And but I'm going to, but I'm going to. you me- make it sound like he never blocked? But shots. I'm going to. He nope. does. He's got over 100 block shots. I said he had a goal, three assists, and three block shots. He had a really good game. Okay. Is, okay. is, is my point. Okay. Quit nitpicking. This. Oh. So, this oh, statistic. Oh, hello, Pot. This statistic. We can I talk about nitpicking. Wigan soon enough. Okay. This statistic. <laughs> Is going to is going to give you an idea of the effectiveness that we probably don't appreciate from what Dumba can bring from an offensive and to the wild. Let's do that when we come back. It's a really good stat. Okay,
1: Mackie and Judd from the TCL broadcast studio.
0: Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Both of them sketchy and sometimes slow. Mackie and Judd on fifteen hundred ESPN. I, w- I was thinking about the fans. Wild looking
4: to grab their first lead. Dumbo
0: with a one Timer and it scores! score.
2: All right, continue your one, right. your 180 on Matt, It's not a 180. I'm frustrated when he plays poorly defensively because he does too often, but you don't trade him or let him go because his offensive upside is so high. It's actually, it's, There's a little bit of Carl Anthony Towns there,
1: and that you look and sometimes it's like, what are you doing on defense? But then, oh, oh okay. He is a. That's why. Yeah, it's. On offense.
2: Yeah. The only difference is with Cat, my perception is is he, I don't know if falls asleep is, is the right word. I never feel that Cat is a dumb player. I sometimes don't get how he plays. With Matthew, defensively, yeah. he makes plays where you're like, that was just stupid. Uh, so the statistic is this. Dumba has been on the ice for 70 even-strength goals for his team this season. Mm-hmm. The only player in the National Hockey League ahead of him in that category Edmonton's Connor McDavid at 79. Holy cow.
1: That includes all skaters. Yeah. Yes. So
2: even strength, five on five. And and the only surprise was the power play goal he scored last night for his 12th goal was his first power play goal of the season Mm -hmm. because he had 12 over the past two years before this. But think about that. He's been on the ice for 70 even strength goals for his team. Connor McDavid, who is a generationally great player, has been on for nine more, and that's the only guy ahead of Matthew.
1: Yes, I'll give you a couple more here. All right, I came armed with statistics so for this discussion. All right, um, so he is Dumba has more five on five points this year than Ryan Suter does. Now, who gets more power play time? If you were to take all the power play time, because Dumba gets a lot of power play time.
2: Yeah, and right, uh, probably when Spurgeon's healthy, it's probably Suter. I guess we could look that up, but, but yeah. N- but now with with Spurgeon out. Dumba and Suter pair together sure. so they're probably power play wise now they're probably on the ice for about the same amount of time but 5 on 5
1: Suter has fewer points i believe it's 28 points for Dumba and, and 22 way, points and for, way more ice uh, time. for Suter Yep and how about this all right so you know how in baseball and it's 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 not an exact science because you know there's there's elements you can't account for in terms of like having one Statistic that measures a player's entire performance, and the closest thing baseball has, and each team has their own way of doing this, but the public version is wins above replacement, and so it's a good way to look and see, you know, within within reason. Like, how if you took Mike Trout off the Angels and replaced him with some, you know, minor league center fielder, Ryan Lamar or whatever is it, Ryan Lamar, whatever the yeah, Twins' yeah, popular, yeah. Now, you know, how many wins would you expect the Angels to to drop over the course of one sixty two? So the NHL has something called point shares, which is very similar. And and they and they've done this. Hockey Reference has a great layout for this, where however many points you score over the course of the season as a team, so the wild, let's say the wild get to hundred, they're able to divvy up credit, again, within a reasonable amount of error, how many points each player generated for his team. Number one is Eric Stahl. He's the he's the best on the team. Number one. Number two is Matt Dumba. Mm-hmm. Matt Dumba is number 2 on the team in point shares. So he's been worth 8 points for the Wild this season. And it's obviously the highest defenseman on the team. So when I it's it's advanced statistics and it's who knows how the spaghetti is made. But when I look at stuff like that and then I hear sometimes I think the criticism of Matt Dumba is way over the top. Just because you turn the puck over doesn't mean you're worthless and sometimes that's the narrative. Oh my god, like Matt Dumba uh, cost the team with a bad pass in his own zone. And yes, those are bad things, and he should not be off the hook for those things. But let's look at turnovers for a second here. The guy who's turned the puck over the most in the NHL the last two years is Brent Burns. Now, I'm not going to say that I, I would take Matt Dumba right now over Brent Burns. but right. And look, look at other sports, too. The guy who led the NBA in turnovers last year was Russell Westbrook. Brett Favre led the NFL in interceptions. Eli Manning led the NFL in interceptions. So... Just because you turn the puck over or the ball, whatever sport you play, yes, doesn't mean that it wipes away all the good things you do. No. And sometimes Matt Dumba gets a bad rap overall the, because of the bad turnover.
2: The issue with, with when Dumba turns the puck over is is where it happens ordinarily, of course, and it can and, and, be epi- and it can be epic at times. And I'm not and, exonerating and, him. So. And, and he ma- he makes mistakes. He makes mistakes because of, of his position where he will turn the puck over in a situation that will cost you games, which is come playoffs huge. But the reason why you don't give up on him is because it is extremely, extremely difficult to find defensemen who can generate the type of offense that he can.
1: Don't you think also in your your three-on-three lineup construction critiques, which I agree with, I think speed is the number one thing that you should go for. That Bruce Boudreau feels comfortable if it's Dumba and another defenseman and a forward, that yeah. he almost feels like well, Dumba kind of slides into more of a forward mentality. So you, it's yes, there's two defensemen, but Matt Dumba doesn't
2: really count in that situation. Yes, and and in December when I think they won three consecutive overtime games, it, it worked for a while. I would change that now, but Dumba, Dumba last night shows you why you stick with him. Uh, the other guy last night, welcome back, Mikael Granlund. Good to see you again. He had gone 13 games with no goals. Wow. He scored a goal last night, a shorty when, when it was, um, they had taken a four-minute high sticking penalty, and he scored a short-handed goal. He also, if you have not seen this, go online and watch his first assist on the Parisi goal. Yeah, it was it was amazing. It's yeah. incredible. He undresses the defenseman. If Granlund and Dumba... Can bring a semblance of these games to the playoffs. It is a difference maker, and this go this goes back to the discussion that we had about a month ago before Granlund went into this latest slump. And it's this. You know, there's a lot of guys on this team that can frustrate you, but the thing with Granlund is when he is playing like he did last night, he is a superstar. He's not just a nice player. He's not just a good player. It was, Zucker can go through periods where he doesn't score, and then he comes back and scores, and he's a very nice player. Yeah, And and the ability to score is fantastic. That being said, when Granlin plays like he did last night, we are talking about a guy that can carry you. Now, come playoff time, here's the key. And this is the most important thing. In the playoffs, teams are going to beat him up. And the question becomes, does he does he shrink then and say, oh boy, this is a lot of work, or does he say, screw it? Because if he says, screw it, I'm going to continue to—because he is more talented than you. He's small, so if he gets hit, he gets hit. But when he decides to apply himself, he is a fantastic player. And the guy that that we saw last night, that move on the Dallas defenseman, there's a handful of guys. There might be 10 guys in the entire league that can do that.
1: So when you say decides to apply himself, do you think—I'm asking a genuine question. I'm not challenging. I'm just—I'm curious— do you think he has a problem applying himself? I think Andrew Wiggins has a problem applying himself. I think Miguel Sano has a problem applying himself. Hey, take it seriously. Do you think that's an actual issue with Mikhail Groundlin? Or do you think he just gets lost in the flow of a game? I, so much?
2: I, you know what? There, there's times in the midst of his slumps where what you just said, I would probably say yes, but I always come back to this now. When he's playing his best, he's so talented that, yes, I think there are stretches of times. And I don't know. See, I don't think he is a lazy player. And I think he cares. So I think it might be confidence. But for whatever reason, when I watch him last night or or the way that he was going a month plus ago, I say to myself, there is far too much talent here for him not to be more consistent. And and last night, I don't expect every game to be like, like last night. But what you saw from the game against Dallas was, where are these stretches where we don't see him? Charlie Coyle... It, to me, is Wiggins. He's way more like that. Where I say, you you are, a. in his case, Charlie, you're a big physical player. You are not applying yourself. I don't know if Granlin's confidence. I don't know if he gets beaten up. Hell, I don't know if he's hurt sometimes. But he is an upper echelon, elite talent type of player. And you see that. Every so often, and when you do, and it, it ordinarily comes in some stretches, but when you see what he can do, you say to yourself, "If he plays like this in the playoffs, it's going to make a world of difference." Uh, how did Jordan Greenway look to you last? Hit night? a post he last. He hit a post hit, last. He hit a post last night. He, he's not great yet, but I would keep playing him. I would keep playing him. And, he's and got,
1: you got you got like two weeks to kind yeah. of figure it out. And
2: and you you are almost certainly going uh, to play the Jets in, in the first round. And I don't need him to be spectacular. I need him to drive to the net, and I need him to pick up loose bucks.
1: I've got another Dumba thing for you here. All right, I'm just you know this point share thing is interesting because I think it's a, it's an objective way to. Sometimes you can look at something and get too attached to it, and um, and that's that's the way that now that's my opinion on the turnovers for Matt Dumba, and those are definitely a detriment to his game. But if we just take all the positives he brings to you and. Like you said, he's been on the ice for seventy even-strength goals, and that's second in the NHL behind Connor McDavid. So let's just take the whole, the totality of Matt Dumba. If you take away goalies and you just rank skaters based on point shares in the NHL, Matt Dumba is thirtieth, mm-hmm. just behind Sidney Crosby this season. I don't know if Crosby's having a down year compared to uh, you not lately. He's not, not, not he's been fantastic. Not in his prime anymore. He's thirty. I think your hockey prime starts to trickle out around 28 years old but think about that he's behind the guys who he's behind are mostly forwards i mean there's some defensemen in here too but it's crosby um phil kessel is right about steven stamkos patrick lane like lining he's he's patrick lining lining whatever player. i don't watch a lot of hockey you're, you're going to see him a lot ag- against
2: the uh in, in the playoffs for the jets he's but, a really good player
1: but that's amazingly telling that he's one of the top according mm-hmm. to point shares he's one of the top 30 Skaters, non goalies in the NHL this season, but the narrative is, oh Dumba. Well, the narrative that rascal turning the, the puck over, the, which he
2: does. The narrative is correct in saying that 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 there are times that he makes dumb plays, and you're like, what are you doing? But but Chuck Fletcher learned his lesson, and that lesson's name is Brent Burns, and he's playing for the Sharks. Yeah, and Brent Burns could be irresponsible at times and make goofy decisions and drive you crazy. But guess what you got back for Brent Burns? You you got back Cediguchi, who unfortunately had a drinking problem and is now out of the league. Yeah, uh, you got back Charlie Coyle, yeah. who you thought was really going to be really good and drive you crazy, and then you got back a first round pick that you used on I on a guy I think his name might have been Zach Phillips, and the only mm. and his problem was he couldn't skate. Other than that, he's but the, but the point being is Brent Burns has turned into a Norris. He's good at floor hockey. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, Brent Burns has turned into a Norris Trophy type of player. And and the lesson there is he might have driven you nuts at times, but guess what? If you could undo that trade today, you would. And that's why Matt Dumba's going nowhere. Correct.
1: Uh, write that down, predictions, in about 15, 20 minutes or so. Chris Singleton is going to make his Talking Twins debut on our show from ESPN at 11.30. Twins fans probably remember him robbing home runs in the early 2000s with the White Sox. So we'll talk to him about the Twins and everything that went on in Major League Baseball yesterday. And it's a game show Friday. We've got Minnesota United tickets to give away for tomorrow. And we also have Red Cow, Red Rabbit gift cards to give away too. So pretty packed show here on Mackie and Judd.
0: Jackie and Judd are back. Stand to your duty. On
1: 1500 ESPN.
0: That one in the end of right field hit pretty good. Going back 373. Gentry thinks he's got room. He'll go up and he'll make the catch. The first big defensive play of the year. Over 375 away and Gentry hauls it in. Deep left field. Adam Jones.
1: Yeah, Twins, that was a fun game, and it, it just kind of felt like once they got the ball rolling a little bit there in the ninth, that they might have a chance, and they've got hitters now, too. I know Lomo didn't really do much yesterday, but they've got hitters that are going to give you tough at-bats in that order. I mean, Eddie Rosario could have had two home runs yesterday. He had one robbed, and the other one was caught right at the wall, and so he put uh, good contact in a couple. But, you know, just, just list the guys who are going to give you a tough at-bat in the Twins lineup. Dozier's going to give you a tough at-bat. Joe Mauer will give you among the toughest at bats in baseball. Miguel Sano, strikeout prone, and was terrible yesterday offensively, but he'll give you a tough at bat oftentimes. Lomo, I mean, my guess is by the end of the year, the Twins are gonna they're gonna be going deeper into opposing teams' bullpens than most teams in the American League. I mean, the Yankees are gonna be number one on that right. list, and Stanton already hit two home runs. Yep. In uh, in their first game, but it's it's a fun lineup to watch. It's going to be they're going to do more. I already got a bunch of overreaction tweets and emails. The Twins are going to have to that offense. I don't know. It's like, whoa, wait a second. Okay, Brian Dozier. Well, Bundy was unbelievable. great, unbelievable. He he's a good pitcher too. He's very. He's talented. He's not a bad yes. pitcher. No, he's one of the more talented pitchers in the in the major leagues. Yeah.
2: The other thing to uh, keep in mind about the as far as the uh, ramifications for lifting Buxton go are this as well. He comes out. You get the two runs because of Grossman, which is fantastic. You're saying he would rob that. De- Andrew, that his uh, defense Adam, is gone. He well, would no, have that point, Adam Jones homer. My my point. My point being is he's gone. Then and, and defensively, yeah. that's going to be. Not it didn't matter yesterday. But no, but I see what but you're it saying. could. If, but For if sure. you but if you have to take him out of games. That go you go from and they're not an, an awful outfield if he's not playing, but you definitely take a step down from his defensive abilities if the game continues to play on if he has to be pinch hit for yeah. on a consistent basis.
1: Uh, we are getting some reactions on this the Buxton thing. I think people are just split. It's because there's a lot of people, rightfully so, who are frustrated with how much variance his offensive game provides you. Like there's months where he'll hit he hit 10 home runs in September two years ago where he's just dialed in and lining the ball to opposite field. Then there's other months where he can't make contact, and yesterday looked more like the bad. Matt emails the show, Mackie and Judd at 1500ESPN.com. If the Twins win that game after the Grossman pinch-hitting appearance, you are not having this discussion. I've already heard people say maybe Buxton hits a triple or a home run there, and the Twins win. We'll never know. More likely, (laughs) he makes an out, and the game is over. Grossman delivered, period. But that's not... We all agree on that. Like, Does anyone in the room disagree that in that moment, based solely on Byron Buxton's career to this point and the way he looked in at least two of those three at-bats, that Robbie Grossman from the left side of the plate against
2: a tough right-handed pitcher with downward-moving stuff, that that was the best chance? Yes, we agree on that. This is a constructive conversation about a decision that was difficult. It's not black and white. I'm not, I'm not not sure if you
1: knew now, but in this country, you can only have black and white discussions.
2: I know, but people want to say now, well, you don't. you think Molitor was wrong and you're wrong. I'm not, I don't think he was wrong. Given the circumstances, he did what was right for him. I just think it's an interesting discussion, given who Buxton is expected to become, that they lifted him. But this is not a... Paul Molitor's an idiot and should-be-fired conversation. This this is a constructive discussion about a player who you have really high hopes for, who yeah. you felt necessary to pinch hit for.
1: Don't you think maybe there's, there's an effect here, too? And by the way, if, if anyone has thoughts or disagrees, 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. Um, like, it's two other things off this. It's possible Buxton sat there watching Robbie Grossman be the momentary hero— and he wasn't sulking. He was clapping. He was top step of the dugout. He was doing all the right things. And it motivates him even more to just be better disciplined, to not swing at those pitches that get you pulled from a game with the bases loaded in the ninth inning. Like, that, there's, there's got to be a motivating factor there. Not that he needs it, because I think he's a really driven, motivated guy. But I think that matters. Also, state of the team matters, too. If you're the Miami Marlins or uh any of the three rebuilding teams in the American League Central Royals or White Sox or Tigers he hits he hits in that spot yes but if you're the Twins and you're Paul Molitor and think like let's put yourself in Paul Molitor's shoes for a second here too i'm perfectly comfortable arguing both sides of this cuz i see both sides and i know that that might not be the you know the uh like the natural thing on this show usually we're very opinionated and whatever but i think if you're Paul Molitor and it took a week just to get you a contract extension after you won American League Manager of the Year So there were questions about whether you were going to come back after taking your team to the playoffs. So it it, it ain't exactly, yeah, you signed a new contract, but it ain't exactly great job security. So you're thinking, we need to win games. And if we have a chance right now to come back in this game and score a couple runs, I totally get the -the in-the-moment decision to win a game in that spot. But where you and I then go to the other side, it's like, yeah, but... If you're going to win as many games as you think you can this year and going forward, and if Buckton's going to be the player that you think he can this
2: year and going forward, Uh
1: he can't be on the bench for that at-bat. He's got to be at the plate for
2: that at-bat. And welcome to the uh, balancing act of the 2018 Twins now. Last year, opening day, guess what? He hits. He hits. You're coming off a 103-loss season, and you say, okay, expectations aren't high. This, This is a great opportunity for Buxton to get experience. If he strikes out, it stinks, but it's experience. This is going to be the balancing act that Molitor is going to face throughout this year, which is there's a lot of good things that that you can do for the future, but because of the 2017 season that you put together, there's now an expectation that 2018 is going to be really damn good.
1: Yes, yeah. So, Uh, By the way, as a Robbie Grossman defender for the last two years— once he blooped that ball into center field, I put on some smooth jazz, put my robe on, and lit a cigarette in my living oh, room watching that game. That's all very unfortunate. All to the be Robbie are. Grossman validation that was needed it's in that event. Re- it's all really. I say, like, that hope dude, There was no
2: oils involved in that this. Dude, there were some, just a couple. You didn't oil up your chest by chance? Did it was you? mostly
1: scented candles, is what was happening. This is so disturbing. But like that dude takes. I yeah. remember when the Twins plucked that guy off waivers, and I believe Terry Ryan deserves credit for that a couple years ago. When they plucked that dude off waivers, he was a punchline in a 103-loss season, right? Oh, Robbie Grossman, now he's hot for a month, and now the Twins are going to sign him to a five-year deal. <laughs> he takes tough at-bats. He doesn't just swing at bad pitches. He's he's actually one of the tougher guys to get to swing and miss and to get out on the team. He's not going to give you well, Miguel gr- Sano that power. That was a great at-bat, yeah. He's not going to give you like a Joe Maurer in his prime batting yeah. average, but you know what? He's going to give you six pitches, and he's going to put the bat on the ball. You can't really put him in the field much because he doesn't really hit. He, so he's very limited in in terms of what you're going to do if with him. If he had
2: if he had come up in that exact situation and hit for Castro, we would be saying today fantastic at bat because it was yeah. great decision. Yes, but I think I, again I, I I don't think Paul
1: Molitor comes out of that game with people cr- with, just with people crucifying him and what I think people are just curious. Those are two big spots. Zach Duke's a left-handed pitcher facing a bunch of right-handed okay. batters.
2: Okay, what's that all about? Let me frame the Buxton thing that, this way, and I get it's the first game. I think what we come out with is a gen a general sort of concern about about the fact that Mulder felt he had to do that. Yes. How about that? Because th- this is this is not a conversation crucifying Paul, but I think what this is is a conversation saying, "Wow, game one, and you had to do that." Yes. And if you
1: thought that he turned the corner, Buxton, in the second half of the season, you wouldn't overreact to two bad at-bats in the first game of the 2018 regular season. He's making that decision with skepticism based on last year's second half, too, even though he put up crazy good numbers and batted 300 from July 1st on. So that was definitely like, I think, that, I think you hit on the point. It's what does Paul Milder, Paul Mouder, who absolutely right. knows hitting who, who and has you, an instinct for this? Who you trust. Yes. What does he really think of Byron Buxton as a hitter? And the results in those two strikeout at bats are pretty obvious. Like you, you saw, there was a couple get me over curveballs there too that he swung right through. And the fact that pitchers feel like they can throw get me over curveballs to him and he's not going to do much damage, that's another telling sign. Hey, I'm still buying stock. I still think he's going to blossom this season. But that wasn't exactly a great start to the narrative in game one of 162. Um, Let's come back and make our official weekly write-that-down predictions. We have a big-time accountability session with a lot of things off the board. And also game show Friday. Chris Singleton will join the show in the 11 o'clock hour for some talking twins. Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios.